Welcome to Remote Patrol. I'm Jason Hawk in Ohio, USA. He's Richard Smith in Haworth, UK. Did I pronounce that right, by the way? I mean, Americans should say Hayworth. No, you you did very well. Haworth. Thank you. There is no Allison Downing tonight. Rich, what the heck is going on with Allison? We've spun off. That's spun off. We've spun off. She's not technically remote patrol. This is remote patrol colon. Trust no one. We've spun off. So Allison's not gone anywhere. She. This is a different series. Poor Allison. Oh, I do feel bad about her. I mean, she's been stuck at work these past couple months. It sounds like it's been pretty brutal on her that she's she's just too tired to watch the X Files with us when she gets home. It absolutely destroys her. It really does. And and to be fair, it's not. If all we did was an X Files podcast, it probably wouldn't be that taxing but it would be sort of watch the x-files as well as these thousand other things and that sort of thing and really what she wants to do is watch master chef and don't tell the bride so i wish to watch neither of those me too me too but you know i still live here it's it's i have to go through it i have to go through it the, all, all the all the episodes of master chef it's four nights a week jason it's four nights a week how much food can oh, you cook? We can't do that. No. It's I'm I'm hoping it will finish sometime in twenty sixteen. And we'll know who the Master Chef is. It, it it drives me insane. It's not like the X Files, which is just awesome. So <laughs> The big secret here is that we haven't talked in a long time. I mean, it seems like we say that on every single episode, and I'm hoping that the way that we're committing to this remote patrol trust no one business means that we're going to be releasing things a lot more often because the goal here, based on what you told me, based on our short conversation, is that we're going to try to go through every single episode. Are we really committing to that? Yeah, I'm up for it. Every single episode, no matter how bad it is? Yeah. I mean, there are some real shitters. Oh, absolutely. But why would we not watch them? Of course we're going to do them. (laughs) <laughs> and to be honest, I, if, I although I know there are some shit ones, I don't know which they all are by name. So I'd have to watch it to find out that it was shit. So if we're doing that, then we might as well talk about it afterwards and say it was shit. You There's one that's going to come up real quickly. It's the, the Jersey Devil one. That one always sticks out in my mind as, oh, my God, that's a terrible one. But you know what? Whenever I sit down to watch The X-Files, I'm always like, ah, I'm going to hover my hand right over that because it's just bad enough that I want to watch it. I have to see them all. It's a matter of uh, completeness. That That's what it is for me. I can't just have ones I never see. It, you know, it's it's actually what stops me going back and watching Star Trek The Next Generation as much as I would like because I know I've got to work through them all and I know there's a lot of really bad ones that I really don't want to watch. So I don't watch any. I catch it on TV. If one's offered up to me, that's all right. But I can't make the conscious choice. This this X-Files on TV thing is intriguing. You're actually seeing them aired on broadcast or aired, I guess, on cable television in the UK? What, the, the new ones or the... the... No, the old ones. I'm Are watch- they in syndication? No, I'm watching them on Netflix. Okay, I was going to say, yeah, because I have not seen them on, like, TV in the wild, out and about, 
flipping through, you know, past TBS or TNT or something like that. They're just not aired anymore. I've been watching them on Netflix. Ever since you said, hey, let's do this remote patrol trust no one thing, we've gotten back into watching them. We sat down, we watched the pilot, which you and I are going to talk about tonight. Lisa and I just kept on going. She was like, I'm in. I'm watching this. (laughs) And as we talked about earlier, when we did that four-episode run on Remote Patrol about the X-Files, you and me, you, me, and Allison, this is a big deal. Lisa does not do science fiction. So she got into it before. What was that, like five, six months ago? And now she's in it again, and I am so happy. This is a great thing for my marriage. Awesome. Oh, I'm pleased. See, good good things do come out of podcasting. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's truly wonderful. But yeah, we're watching them on Netflix with the. Uh, I I will. It, it is US Netflix. I don't think they're on Netflix in the UK. Um, so you have to get the little Netflix on blocker thing. Are they illegal? I, we don't know. But three dollars a month means I can watch your Netflix. That's that's almost free in my book, as I've said. So we do that and there it's worth doing because they're on in hd as well they've been remastered and uh blown up and they look fantastic uh they really really do i was surprised watching this pilot episode you know when we did those earlier four episodes of remote patrol where we we were talking about the x-files i thought for sure that we started with the pilot i don't think that we ever did really talk about it because i went back and i was like wow this seems really fresh when I was watching it, and it looks so good, especially scaled up in HD or however they managed to do it. I'm not sure exactly what they did. But um, I was like, wow, this looks so crisp and sharp and nice and cinematic. I was like, we couldn't have watched this. I would have remembered it looking this good if we had watched this before just a few months ago. I think it's a recent thing. Um, I certainly think they had just season one on there in HD, and then it's, it's become the others over time. Uh, I think they've just been released on Blu-ray, though. I think that's where where these are coming from. Because uh, normally it takes like the studio to do a remaster. If they were shot on film originally, it's a quite straightforward thing to do. Um, you just rescan the the film, which I believe that they were, because this would have been probably yeah. season one. I mean, nineteen ninety three. That's when this episode was made. The pilot. That would have been way before anybody was shooting anything digitally, right? Um, Not even the most cutting-edge folks were shooting things digitally in 93. Well, well, sadly, no. And certainly not for a television production of this level. Um, it, it wasn't until sort of the 2000s that digital filming became good enough for high-end stuff. Um, lower-end stuff with a higher turnaround, uh, sorry, a shorter turnaround time will have been shooting on video a lot earlier, so your soap operas, that kind of thing. Uh, whereas with an X-Files, you, you're going on sets, you're going to locations, you've got editing time, you've got special effects to go in there. This was a This is a big budget production. Uh, so this will have been shot on film. Uh, and so you just, as good as it looks, it does have that imperfect film quality where there's still a little bit of grain. There's not quite as bright and shiny colors. And I am a little bit trepidatious about these new X-Files episodes that are coming out in January. It, it is January, right? I'm not wrong about that. No, that's January as far as I know, yeah. Oh, man, it's going to be such a great year. We've got Star Wars on the 17th. We've got X-Files coming out in January. The Deadpool movie's coming out in January. Batman versus Superman this spring. 
I'm excited. Uh, I'm so happy. (laughs) There are just so many wonderful nerd things. Uh, The geek did inherit the earth. It's true. But I'm a little bit apprehensive about watching the new X-Files six-part miniseries because it it might look too perfect. It might ruin it for me. It might sap some of that (laughs) 1990s-style atmosphere right out of it. Did any of the movies do that for you, though? They kind of did. I mean, you could tell that there was a budget upscale when the first movie was made. The second movie was even worse. I don't know what to think about the second movie. I I maybe need to watch it again. um, Because, yeah, I I could do with watching it again, I think. But it it didn't knock my socks off. Um, I, I have high hopes for this TV series. I, I think it's it's I'd rather have it than not with this one. And I think if the last movie didn't destroy anything for me, then the next, you know, they're not going to really ruin it in six episodes. I don't think that they're going to be able to ruin it no matter what they do to it. But there is still the possibility that the memories that we have of the X-Files are all about dark lighting, fuzziness, not being able to see what's on screen and being more scared of not being able to see it than we would if we would just see it. And I think maybe television is going to be a little bit more immune to problems with that than the big screen is. I mean, when you're talking about movies, you're talking about a lot more studio interference. When you're talking about television, Chris Carter and company are going to get a lot more leeway, I think, especially they're going to, you know, come out there with their cock swinging when they were taping these things and say, you know, we've done this before. We know what to do with the X-Files. We don't need your studio notes. See, what what gives me hope for it is that it is just six as well. Now, when you make a film, you and, and we kind of went through this with the, the Star Trek reboot, you, you're walking this line of pleasing the fans, the people who know every line of every episode, and pleasing people who just happen to have come to the cinema and never really thought they'd like Star Trek. And so everything needs to be in there for new people. Whereas with this, that's not a problem. They're not trying to kick off a reboot. This isn't a movie franchise. This is just six hours of television. That's all it's ever going to be. This can be six hours. I might be a little bit wrong on that, though, because it's been such a long time since the X-Files was on the air. I don't think that they have the built-in audience that you think that they do. Look, Netflix has been great for the X-Files, but at the same time, I don't think anybody under the age of 25 knows what the X-Files is anymore. But that's cool. That That's cool. They don't have to. That might be cool, but you here. still have to fight to get their eyeballs on it. Yeah, but I, I think there's, there's less of a risk with television. Um you know, it's not movie money. It's TV money. It, it's There's a lot of replay value in it. Uh, and I, I, th- I don't know. I think there still is a massive audience for the X-Files. Just knowing the reaction that we got when we did the Remote Patrol episode on it. It, it was just X-Files fans came out of the woodwork when we did that. It was incredible. Um, and, and so, you know, it's been enough for us to do a podcast on it. So maybe it's enough for Fox to spend a couple of million dollars on it. I'm certainly excited about it, and I'll be there with my eyes locked on it. There's nothing that's going to keep me away from those six episodes. I do hope, however, that they put them on a streaming service very, very quickly. Because tuning in to watch 
on the air, real time, as it happens, television is just not something that I do anymore. It would be an awful lot convenient if they would just follow the Marvel rule and just release it straight to Netflix all at once. Yeah, I agree there. That that would be better. Um, do you have a DVR? I don't do DVR. No, I've never really seen the point of that. It seemed like one of those technologies, like remember the whole thing with um, Blu-ray versus HDTV? HD DVD. HD DVD, yes, my, my apologies. Uh, I thought that DVR was going to be the thing that was around for about two years before it was made completely obsolete by the streaming revolution. So I, I just never invested in it. Right. Well, you kind of just, we just get one with the cable subscription. Oh, I see. It, it's not a It's not a separate decision to make or anything <laughs> like that. It's just, you get Sky, you've got the, recorder thing the box is the recorder um and it when it works it's it's quite handy but when it works so you know, to get that with my cable company which i hate time warner so much i would have to pay another rental fee every month and the way that it works out is that over the course of a year i would pay a you know a, a few hundred dollars just for the pleasure of having that in my house and i'm not about to do that see they need to get craftier because i'm i'm sky of course are uh well within the Murdoch universe there and uh, would probably do the thing of technically we're all paying for that DVR um, it's just they haven't told us um, that sort of thing it's built into everybody's price well frankly the way that it's going though is uh, I'm cutting out cable services not adding them in Oh, it's very, very soon my cable will be gone except for the internet yeah as, as soon as the internet get live sports sorted, we're good to go. Yeah. But until then, this isn't the X-Files. We should, we should do this. Yeah, let's start off where it makes sense to start off. Let's talk about this pilot. Season 1, episode 1, 1993, as I mentioned. This one, of course, was written by the series creator, Chris Carter. Did you sa- happen to see who directed it? I didn't notice the director, no. Uh, although I do guys- have Robert Mandel. Yep. DB right there. There you go. Robert Mandel. And really the only reason that this name sparked a little memory was because he directed School Ties. He just came off of directing that right before this. Did you ever see School Ties with Brendan Fraser and Matt Damon and Chris O'Donnell? And Ben Affleck? No, no. I remember this being a pretty good movie, but I haven't seen it in probably 20 years. So maybe it was one of those things that as a very young teenager, I thought was like the most important movie in the world. And it turns out that it's just an angst filled crap fest, but it did stick in my mind. I had no idea this movie existed. I'm going to be watching it later. My God. All those people in one film. The other interesting production thing is that it was written by Dick Wolf, the the episode, not the movie. <laughs> the episode, the pilot of The X-Files was written by Dick Wolf. It, Law and Order just is not a thing in the UK, is it? No, no. We're aware of it. Order pervades American television, and every episode, bam, per, huge letters produced by Dick Wolf. Yeah, don't... Don't know that name at all. We had Law and Order UK. They they made There's like a, UK. Yeah, yeah, there is. I never saw it, but it, it's a thing. It exists. You can look it up. 
we've had Law and Order Classic, uh, Law and Order CS, what is it? C uh, Criminal Victims Unit. That's what it is, or something. I don't know. Right. And the sexual assault one. There's been three brands of Law and Order that I can think of. Yeah, we Criminal Victims Unit. That can't possibly be right. Special Victims Unit. That's what it is. SVU. I'm looking up Law and Order UK. There's three of them. Yeah, Law and Order UK, the British adaptation of the American series Law and Order. Uh, created Do you by see D- Dick Wolf anywhere? Dick Wolf, created by Dick Wolf. There you go. Dick Wolf. And that's it. Gosh, yes. <laughs> Starring Jamie Bamba. That name sounds familiar. I should know this. Stars Lee Apollo Adama in the reimagined Battlestar Galactica. That's right, the younger Adama. There you go. Who, chunky toward uh, the end of season three. Yes, he did a bit, didn't he? I don't he know did. if he. I stopped he watching went, it then, but. He, yeah, well, I skipped over some episodes in the middle of season three too, and then came back in season four. It it's turned into a lot of wading through crap. Yeah. So I've got some numbers here. I want to see if you can guess. I I was looking back at the Nielsen ratings, trying to figure out how many people were watching the X-Files when it launched. Do you want to take a stab at how many millions of viewers they had for the the pilot episode? Oh, gosh, that's that's actually tricky because I've got to adjust my thinking for an American audience. So ultimately, I think your numbers are going to be higher than ours would be generally anyway. Um, We've got 300 million people roughly. I mean, of course, it's it's escalated a little bit. It was probably like 275 at the time that the X-Files came out. Now it's about 320. Right. So I don't really know what would be considered a success of a TV show audience-wise in the U.S. Well, certainly not the X-Files when it came out. It only had a 7.9 share, which means that they had about 12 million viewers at the time. What is that 7.9 is that percent of the possible viewing audience or um it's a it's a number and i can't ever remember exactly how this works but i think it's like a percent of how many households it's in so a house might have you know three and a half people living in it on average right you you could have a household with one person or a household with six people uh, I see. I see. Yeah. So it slides. I, I think that's how it works. At any rate, an estimated 12 million viewers. So at the time, it was shit. They were like, 12 million viewers? Ha, huh, that is nothing. See, that's, but, that's that would, the difference. That would be an, an all-time smash. If I put a TV show on with 12 million viewers here, it would be, you'd tell your grandchildren about that show. <laughs> well, today it would be amazing in the U.S., I mean, right now, it would be one of the top 10 biggest shows on television. Oh, if you look at the Nielsen ratings, I mean, Sunday Night Football kills over here. That's American football, not your pansy-ass soccer. That has 19 million viewers, and that's by far the largest thing on television here. I'm inspired to do a quick search for the most popular UK TV shows. 2015. Here we okay. go. I'm on Nielsen.com. This week, the biggest shows... Oh, 25 million viewers this week for NBC Sunday Night Football. That's huge. Uh, 
the top three are all NFL related. And then from there, 16 million viewers for NCIS, Grandma Television. Mm-hmm. 14 million viewers for 60 Minutes, Grandma Television. 13 million viewers for Dancing with the Stars, Grandma Television. Another 13 million viewers for the second night of Dancing with the Stars, Football, Football, NCIS, New Orleans, parentheses, Grandma Television. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually a little bit off. So I've got a list here. The the 50 most watched television broadcasts in the UK in 2015. And the top one has 12.78 million viewers. And I, I don't know if I should leave you to guess this, tell you what the most watched thing on British television was in 2015. It was the semi-final of the Great British Bake Off. I that never would have guessed that. I probably would have guessed like Eurovision or something. Oh, fuck no. Oh, God, no. Hang on. I can't leave that. Do you think that Eurovision is important over here? I mean, every time that Eurovision rolls around, my Facebook feed fills up with it from yeah. all my UK friends. It might just be a misrepresentation. It could be a selective bias. It's... We're, we are seemingly the only nation that takes part that is aware of how absurd it is and so for a number of years we've kind of taken part ironically if you like and it's become a tradition that the person who commentates on the show for the uk just takes the piss out of the whole thing from start to finish it is a televised let's as a nation make fun of all of these people and we do it but we we don't care who wins or if we win or if anything's any the worse it is the better for us and uh, we're kind of known for being the only country that do that everyone else takes it extremely seriously that is bullying and it is wrong i am ashamed well i i know (laughs) it's so funny do you want to guess what the second most watched thing on british television was in 2015 Hell's Kitchen. The Great British Bake Off, episode four. Again. Do you want to guess what the third most watched British television thing was? The Great Great British British Bake Off. Off. Yes, episode five. And the fourth most watched thing was uh, the Great British Bake Off. Oh, I was going to laugh if you said like some sort of a dog show or something. No, you've got to go to number... You would have been setting it up for the comedic turn. Yeah. Well, number five was Britain's Got Talent, so... That that was arguably a dog show. No, Jason, it was won by Jules O'Dwyer and Matisse, a dog act. It was literally a dog show. There we go. There you go. That's amazing. That's amazing. It was actually a dog show. And of course, numbers six, seven, eight, and nine were all the great British bake off. It's it's quite a popular show. And it's just, yeah. as charming as that is, we've got to buckle down and hit this. X-file. Yeah, we're, we're terrible about this. I'm sorry. It, you started it with, with how many? Pe- how many people did watch it? Was it 12 million? Was that the 12 million? Was the number of viewers? It's worth noting that the X Files that first season finished 102nd on the list of shows. Wow! Even though it grew consistently throughout that first <coughs> season, I mean, by the end of the season, they were much higher than 12 million. 102nd according to a TV guide listing that I dug up from 1993. Home Improvement, by the way, was the top-ranking show that year. What, what was that getting, then, as an audience? 
it was getting a 33 share with 22 million households. Right. 22 million households. That's so a lot. So you're talking about like, like 60 million people watching your show every week. It, it boggles the mind. It really does. The, the fact you can do anything and make 60 million people watch you do it. Unless you're in China. Unless you're in China. Yeah. You know, it's kind of amazing, isn't it? Uh, that's like the population of Great Britain. Near enough. Um, like all of us watching Home Improvement. <laughs> we were watching here's it in my house. Here's another fun little quiz for you, Rich. How much do you think that this pilot cost to make? <sighs> Looking at its quality, looking at its pacing, looking at its writing and the special effects, all the effort and sweat and blood and time and you put into the the pilot. How much? What dollar sign would you put on it? And ninety ninety three dollars as well, though. But I'm feeling I'm feeling the million dollar mark. Although Double that, that, that cost two million dollars. Wow. That's that's high for a pilot. I feel like. Very high, but again, 1993, TV was the only game in the business. There was no competing YouTube. There was no Netflix. There was no Hulu. TV was it. They had money to spend. They were burning it. It was the glory days of network television. I guess so. I guess it was. I mean, a lot of our TV came from you guys at that time. A lot still does, but I I feel like a higher percentage of it did back then. Um, maybe it's because there's more to choose from now. I, I'm not sure. Um, Shows just don't cost as much to make anyway. I mean, you can go out with a phone in your pocket and make a television show if you really want to. It's not going to be high quality, but you can do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I've seen worse on TV. Um, it, it's it's part of that. Um when I first started working years ago in, in video production, you suddenly become aware of this t- this term, uh, broadcast quality. And you start worrying, is anything broadcast quality? Until somebody sits you down and explains, broadcast quality is whatever somebody decides to broadcast. Stop worrying about it. Yeah. Uh, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I see now. And you realize how much television actually looks like ass quite frankly not uh, this pilot though like no, i said before, no. it looks terrific i was surprised it could have been put on the air today and i would have said yes this was made this year except for the cars the cars <laughs> look like the, the boxy cars from 1993 yeah the cars i noticed some of the, uh, the computers in the fbi office in the, the opening uh, tracking shot of of scully going walking through the the fbi office um, oh they've floppy drives in them Oh, the, it's the huge monitors that date things more than anything, I think. Uh, I never With thought... green sheen on them almost. Yeah. Uh, it's it's crazy to think we ever worked like that. But, God, and that wasn't even as primitive as it was once. You know, that was, that was like the future for somebody. Um, you know, and now it just looks old. Uh, but it was... It was uh, a very well produced pilot you you kind of feel with some pilots that they know they're going to make a series and this kind of felt like one of those it didn't feel like they knew what they were going to talk about it didn't feel like they had the entire series mapped out but it seemed like they knew what they wanted to accomplish i mean a lot of the beats that you see for the rest of the series are in the pilot 
Absolutely. You see, you know, like the cigarette smoking man almost straight he's away. He's right there two minutes in. He's in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Never says a word. Um, there's just no messing about, is there? He's in there from the very beginning. Uh, we we get the the first thing is pretty much an alien abduction. Um, they they don't mess about with this. They they grab you and shake you immediately. Uh, it, it's it's nice when television gets on with it. I think sometimes that there's a lot of slow burn stuff these days because they kind of want to eke out as much as possible. Whereas X Files was just yeah, here's an alien abduction. We're not we're not going to wait ten episodes for this. You That's know. how it would work today. You're absolutely right. They would do the delayed gratification thing to kind of try to string you along and build the tension. Nope. In X-Files, they're like, here we go. Here's a bright light. First 30 seconds. It's probably a UFO. Mulder's going to think it's a UFO. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you compare that to something like uh, the the thing of like, that sticks in my mind is the, the Marvel Daredevil series. He becomes Daredevil in the last five minutes of the last episode. You're like, what? I, why is he not Daredevil when we get here, please? That that would have been more fun for me, but slow burn. That's that's what it is. Jessica Jones is the same way. I've seen a lot of people complaining on Facebook, and it kind of mirrors my feelings on it, too. I'm about halfway through the second episode, and I'm like, okay, when's she going to be a superhero? Because she's not a superhero. Yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking episode three is the, uh, is the point you need to try to get to. You know, I will try get to it because what i hear is that yes it takes a long time to ramp into it but once you put in three hours then you're going to be invested and that's what i don't like with the x-files i put in 30 seconds and i was invested yeah absolutely uh and just to set the stage here because like i said we've we've talked on remote patrol we did four full episodes we probably did about four hours talking about the x-files but we're going to structure this differently right i mean based on what you were telling me when we were chatting about it a couple weeks ago you want to go through the episodes a lot more closely and talk about the different things like almost a chronological rundown yeah that that's it exactly let's let's just start right at the beginning then because the screen flashes, you don't get a scene right away. You get the following story is inspired by actual documented accounts. And that caught me really off guard watching this in the past week. Because it was almost like they were trying to pass it off as a kind of unsolved mysteries show. Th- that was part of the attraction in the beginning, though. It was that argument of half of them are true and you don't know which half. And all that sort of thing. That's that's what the conversation was at school. Um, Seems like they ditched that in episode two, though. There's no attempt really to pass it off as this is based on a true story from episode two on. Not as such. Um, I kind of just felt from the beginning it was always implied. Uh, and, And that was kind of an angle in the beginning. And I think we see it will it will go away. And, you know, they're not trying to play up the whole is this real is this actually happening kind of angle to it but i i felt it was definitely there throughout season one and maybe season two there's also no theme song in this first episode probably the most iconic thing about the show and it's not there it's missing that's part of the fun of pilots is alternate theme tunes and that sort of thing 
Um, and in, in this case, yeah, no theme tune. It may well not have been done. It may well not have been commissioned until they were sure of a series. Although, as we just said, they clearly spent a lot of money on it. Why not spend the extra few grand on getting someone to write a bloody theme tune? Um, although, to be fair, as iconic as it is, it probably took him 10 minutes. Let, let's be it fair about that. He actually struggled with it. This is a terrifying and horrible thing, is that there is another X-Files podcast out there, Rich. There's another one, and I've tried to stop listening to it. I've tried to clear my mind. I've tried to do a memory wipe as best as I can so that I'm not just saying, hey, you know what that other podcast said? But Kumail Nanjiani, a comedian that I absolutely adore, has an X-Files podcast. Okay. And he had Mark Snow, the composer, on there. And he gave the whole story of how it came. It's an amazing story. Do you think that we can get Mark Snow on this podcast? It uh, Okay. I don't know. Start working on it, Rich. Not not once have I ever tried to get somebody on a podcast. <laughs> so I, 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 I know the story of that. It it's it's a good story. But I'm not just going to repeat what's on another podcast. Let's suffice to say that it's just not there in the first episode. And it, it took him more than ten minutes. I'm only kidding with that, Mark. Don't worry. <laughs> I know. I'm saying that knowing full well that soon I will present to the world a website that I have apparently taken months over and it will be eight pictures in a, in two lines on a white screen and everyone will think this took four months and it's like, yeah, yeah, it did because that's hard and I, I'm with you on that. I understand. Yeah, three months of inspiration, three weeks of work, and then a week to criticize yourself before you finally have the balls to release it. That's how it works, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm in the content production game. I know how these things work. I might even go through a few phases of, no, it's all crap, throw it all away, start again. <laughs> Haven't you already done that three times? That's, yes. That's my understanding. Yeah. Yes, yes. Because you've that. shown me mock-ups before. Look at this, Jason. The, the new simplysyndicated.com is ready to launch. I'm going to launch it next week. <laughs> hey, Rich, it's been three months since you showed me that. When's it going to yeah. launch? Yeah, oh, I started over, Jason. Uh, I started over. Three times. <laughs> at least three. Uh, yeah. So, so I, the I story is inspired by actual documented accounts, no theme song, and then bam, we're in the woods. This is what I like about the X-Files. It shows you it shows you a part of the story without any context to start you off to get you hooked. And this is what I'm saying about the difference between the X-Files and things like Daredevil or Jessica Jones. Like if you start me off at a high point and show me something really 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 interesting to get me involved, I'm going to be hooked from there on out. You don't need to do this slow burn thing to get me involved. I I think it's, this is known by TV writers um, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, the structure of an episode of Criminal Minds, uh, which starts out with a, your first pre-credit sequence of here a murder will happen. So we're going to watch a murder happen and that will be the thing that hooks you. And then you get the episode of, but how will they find out who did it? Um, and this is the same sort of thing. It's the light with the man and the weird fuzzy face and stuff. And then you've, you've like, what the fuck is that? 
You've got to you've got to Bam. sit there until you find out. You just didn't know that you were going to wait another nine years to not find out. <laughs> yeah. So we get that set up. There's hints that killings are happening to the members of the class of 1989, and then zip, we're off to FBI headquarters. And this is where we meet the two principals. You get Scully first, as she's being assigned to spy on Fox Mulder. And yeah. I really think it's interesting watching this back. You meet Scully before you meet who is ostensibly the main character of the show, Mulder. Yeah. Well, it's it's one She's of the eyes and ears in. Yeah, I think it's that that this is arguably Scully's show, not Mulder. It's one of those weird things. So, it, you could take it either way. See, I never ever thought that this was Scully's show. I always thought that Mulder is Sherlock Holmes and Scully is Watson. It, 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 th that would be easy, but it's not that. It, it's. I, I'm gonna. I'll. I'll be able to express myself better as this series goes on. But I. I feel there's much more to it than that. And they. They swap places maybe on this is one of those um, multi-layered media things. What's. It, what's it called when you have a movie that is for kids, but it has all kinds of adult sex jokes in it? Um. I don't know. Is there a term for you're that? Selling, you're selling the same product to two different audiences, and they're, you know, the, the kids don't know that there are sexy jokes, but the adults do. So, ha ha ha. There's a term for that. It's like multi multi layered marketing or something like that. All right. Okay. That's what you're getting. I think that when I was a young man, I saw the X Files as a young man does, and it was Mulder's story. And this time, as I'm watching it through with Lisa, I think that you have something with the whole "this is Scully's story" thing, because I think that that's the more subtle layer on top of the Mulder story is that this is actually Scully's deal. Mulder is the way in, but Scully is the one who's going to go through all the big character changes. Yeah, it's like you, you think that Star Wars is Luke Skywalker's story. It's not. It's C-3PO and R2D2. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was Ian Numb. No. The Numb is the one with the big character arc. I don't know. No, it's... It, too deep a cut. Yeah, too deep. I'm lost there. Do you know what? we can? Um, here's a convo, Jason, for you. Because I've been trying to think of something. I've been re-watching Star Wars in preparation, and I can't stand it. It's You can't it's, stand Star Wars? No, it's it's all terrible. This this is a, a show in itself, and I, I don't want to drag us into this now. But no, that's a provocative statement. You can't just drop a bomb like that and walk away. I know. Um, I like I was watching Return of the Jedi the other night, and I got halfway through and had to turn it off because it was so awful. That is one fucking ballsy mic drop that you just pulled right there. I'm going to pretend that you didn't say it so that we can move on. Give me. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I understand, and I'm sorry. But it's how I feel. And I feel bad that I'll, I feel I'll that way. I'll challenge you to combat off of the, the podcasting field. Okay. Okay. But I think we could do some sort of special show on me deciding that Star Wars is actually terrible. We this. should probably do that so that I can punish you in front of listeners. Okay. That's that's fine. I'm prepared to do that. We'll get you and Jacob Brellinger to... to um, to form a team, an unholy union. Well, can I can I give you something in preparation? Because I, I, you're right, it is a heavy mic drop. Um, just speaking of Return of the Jedi, do you want to give me some explanation as to what you think their plan was to rescue Han Solo from Jabba the Hutt? 
some explanation, some what were they thinking when they all got together and decided, right, Jabba the Hutt's got Han Solo now, we've got to go and rescue him. What we need to do is, right, Chewbacca and Lando Calrissian, you two just disappear without a trace. We'll even let C-3PO and R2-D2 think you're dead, because they do, because they're saying that as the, the film starts. So they haven't got a fucking clue. So they just wander to Jabba's palace and are just captured for no reason. Why did they even go there? They have no reason or purpose to ever be there. They contribute nothing to it, as does Lando Calrissian, whose sole contribution to Han Solo's escape plan is to fall into the Sarlacc pit. That's all he does. And so then Princess Leia turns up with Chewbacca the Wookiee, and he then... So the Wookiee's captured and put in prison that's this all strikes me as a really fucking stupid plan so now the wookiee is a prisoner of jabba but we're gonna we're basically swapping him for han but they don't get out because that was a crap plan so then luke has to come and rescue everybody because he couldn't have just come in in the first place and just rescued han solo you know stopping everybody being captured that would have been too easy that rich this is wounding my heart and and so then he gets captured immediately as well and and then they have to do all the shit on the barge what is the point in all of that if he can do all that on the barge and just kill everyone why didn't he do that as soon as he arrived and then the biggest kick in the pants is he then flies away in his fucking x-wing fighter if he just parked that outside the front door of jabba's palace in the first place would that not have solved everything and exactly how important is Han Solo to the Rebel Alliance, seeing as they've committed zero manpower and resources to his rescue from what is essentially just the Mafia, not even like the Empire or anything like that, just some fucking thugs with a palace and a big worm dude. What? What is? How is this a good movie? I'm sorry. <sighs> See, what you're forgetting is that Luke, who's attained Jedi Master status by this point, yeah, uh, has the ability to, through the Force, sense the future. So my understanding is that he knew how it was all going to unfold. All he needed to do was send in the Trojan horses to stack the deck to the best of his ability. Not knowing, of course, that the the visions of the future are imperfect because always in motion the future is. Uh, says how, you. How, is this, how is the escape in any way helped by the presence of all the other people there? Lando does nothing. Leia does nothing and needs rescuing. Han Solo is blind. The only one who's remotely useful is Chewbacca the Wookiee, and not until he gets out on the barge afterwards. C-3PO can do nothing. R2-D2 is merely a glorified lightsaber holster. What? It's, it just suddenly occurred to me, what is all the absurdity of it? And then they move on to, like, Darth Vader can be turned good from the dark side. What the fuck is being the dark side at this point in the Star Wars universe? It, it, does that just represent being mean to people? And stop. Uh, you know, and so he's <laughs> essentially going, Dad, you've got to stop being mean to people. And he's like, no, no, it's too late now. I've just got to be mean to people as much as possible from now on. That's it. And look, I'm mates with the Emperor. He's really fucking mean. And you're like, what does any of this even mean anymore? The, what, you know, what bitch, I don't want to do an X-Files podcast with you if you're going to stomp all over my hopes and dreams. I'm and sorry. Dreams. I'm so sorry. 
Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Am I watching the wrong movie? You're wrong. I I have so much love from Star Wars for Star Wars over the years. I remember sitting in the cinema as a little kid with my dad waiting for Star Wars Return of the Jedi to start. I was there when it came out, and yet I watched it yesterday and it was garbage. I I just I don't know how to reconcile this. We can't pretend that it's a perfect movie. This is a Convergence. That's a preview of a Convergence. Yeah. Rich, we've half an hour to get I'm sorry. the rest of this Files episode <laughs> knocked out. We're barely into the first four minutes. Okay, I won't, I won't and, talk any more about this. You have stabbed me in the back I know, with I'm your sorry. sword of iniquity. <laughs> your I'm lightsaber sorry. of hate. It's not hate. It's just realize my eyes are open. That's that's all I can Your say. You damn fool. Yeah. So the, so the entire X Files is spelled out in the six first minutes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it the is. The FBI is assigning Scully to spy on Mulder. They want her to debunk the X Files. Were you at all struck by how economical the writing was? Not in particular. I didn't. I didn't. Nothing stood out. I mean, it just seemed like they were able to set up this huge mythology in literally like four or five minutes without really having a huge, huge strings of expositional dialogue. They just, they showed rather than tell. They were able to set up, you know, something isn't quite right here. Here's what Scully believes. Here's what Mulder believes. There's shadowy people like the cigarette smoking man lurking around in the background. He doesn't have to say a single word. And, you know, that guy is trouble. Yeah, um, I, I think they feed a lot into the mythology that's already surrounding uh, sort of the, the paranormal UFO alien FBI stuff, um, you know, with your, your men in black and all that kind of thing. We we know we're in for something ominous. We know we're into aliens or, or weird stuff because we've seen the first the first scene and then there's the guy who doesn't talk and he's just always smokes and he 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 comes off really well it's clear that he's up to shit uh immediately um i i thought what what did strike me as as well done was like you said they managed to give a great deal of setup and backstory to to scully's character immediately and that's so often done badly and it's done within dialogue and and you'll often see characters say things that humans would never say just to establish oh, did information <laughs> did you know that his father has uh, mysteriously disappeared ooh everyone is talking about that at the academy yeah they could have done a lot of yeah. um, very ham-fisted inserting things into conversation that never would have come up in conversation that's very true oh, jason hawk my american newspaper editor friend um, it is great to know you, Rich. It is wonderful <laughs> to talk with you about the X Files. Yeah, you know, it's just one of those like you can't. People don't talk like that, and so, but they they had that good opportunity that it's sort of a, a commanding officer going over the record of a, a subordinate, and and so that that's a nice camouflage for what you're actually doing. You, you're actually telling us this character's entire backstory in thirty seconds, and you just make it look like they're having a meeting. And it's 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 very nicely done. Um, the 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 one thing I did notice about their meeting uh, was when you first see Mulder, he's wearing glasses that we'll never see him wear again. 
that's that's was obviously a look they went for and decided against immediately. See, that didn't even register on my radar. The thing that popped up for me was, wow, Mulder's a fucking dick. He was so dismissive to Scully as soon as they met. Cocky swagger and bitchiness. I was like, man, where's this guy been hiding in the basement? Well, he knows Ooh. why she's there, though. He's such a- you know, when, when he, he even he says it directly, that, they, that she's part of their agenda. She's the one sent in to discredit him and make him look stupid. Uh, it's amazing he's in any way tolerant of her. Which makes me consider that there is another way to look at the X-Files. I mean, it is possible that he's a paranoid, delusional schizophrenic. He, he, I mean, the entire series could just be the unreliable narration of his schizophrenia. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we see a story from his perspective for much of the show. Think how often Scully gets hit on the head or kidnapped or dragged away or falls asleep and Mulder finds out, hey, there really is a werewolf. I see it. It's right there. There's the evidence that I'll never be able to corroborate again. Happens in this episode. Happens in the pilot. He could, the- just, he could just be schizophrenic. It, it could well be that. You do have a knack for finding these strange alternate views of of things usually if you just say schizophrenia it explains everything it's just one view i'm not doing anything terribly original that's true it's it's not as bad as the last starfighter theory um which isn't mine i always have to throw that down i i got that from a a person that i deeply deeply respect oh i thought it was i thought it was yours okay oh no i i disclaim that one every single time I subscribe to the theory now. I can't unsee the last Starfighter's um, uh, Stockholm Syndrome old dude diddling a a young dude (laughs) kidnapping him in his car kind of subtext. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely there. I've not watched it again since hearing that theory, you know, on purpose. I even have the DVDs. We have to do it as a movie night on ATW9K. Yeah, it's still sealed in the cellophane. Never even got it out of the box. Um... Anyway, this Scully and Mulder fly to Oregon. Yeah, they do to a fictional town. It's been the source of some confusion on the internet. There are actually pages dedicated to, is uh, Belfler, Oregon, a real place? It is not, by the way. No, it's uh, made up and it takes the name of Chris Carter's hometown. Isn't that true? I didn't read that much into it. I'm pretty sure that I saw that Belfleur means beautiful flower. And I think that that was like some play on the name of his real life hometown. Okay. Makes sense. Um, th- it was probably a small place in Canada. I'm, I don't know where they actually shot this, but they, I know they shot a lot of it in Canada. Uh, oh yeah. All it, of this stuff is in Vancouver for the first, what, three, four or five seasons until David Duchovny was like, we got to go to LA. We got to start taping things in LA. Did you did you feel I mean certainly in the first few seasons there there is that look to the X-Files I I kind of felt like even to the point where when they go out in the woods they always go out to the same bit of woods <laughs> Vancouver has a definite look to it I mean we're talking about the Pacific Northwest we're talking about the part of Canada that's directly north of Washington state right bordering the uh, Pacific Ocean it's the Rocky Mountains, it's conifers, it's rugged terrain. Yeah, it, it looks like Vancouver in every single scene. Yeah. 
It, it certainly had a look. To, and it was kind of always raining. I, I don't remember a bright, sunny episode of The X-Files. That's how it is. I lived for two years of my childhood out in Oregon, and it is always raining there. Right. Like, not a, not a disgusting, heavy, torrential rain. It's always just overcast, slightly sprinkling, a little bit cold. I wonder if they're on a latitude with us. Huh. Mm, very maybe. I don't know. I but don't I thought know. about their... What, what I thought funny about their trip out to, uh, I almost said Washington, out to Oregon, is that they don't even touch down wheels onto the tarmac, and Mulder's already like, yep, UFOs, we hit a little bit of turbulence, it's UFOs. It's not just air, not just wind. They know we're coming. Yeah. They know we're coming. Um, yeah, I like that. Oh, I actually, there's a, there's a lot of, something that, that struck me, when it, it's the same as in painting the X on the floor. And that sort of thing. I got the feeling from him that there was a lot more scientific method and he was able to predict a lot more and, and all of that kind of goes away later. Um, you know, I feel like... How to explain it? He was a lot, as a character, was much more caught up in the proof and the science of everything than he later became um arguably to do with his, his you know the how deep everything got i don't feel like i'm explaining See, my thoughts very well i disagree with you i understand what you're saying like he's rigged his own kind of science to explain what science doesn't explain yeah uh, but Mulder is entirely esoteric. I mean, he, he just knows what he knows because he knows that it's true deep down inside. And Scully's the verificationist. Like, everything has to be tested rigorously for Scully to believe it. Like, even when you get to the second episode, or second season, rather, and she's abducted by aliens, and she's like, well, they might not have been aliens. <laughs> like, I know I was abducted and probed, but let's yeah. test this. She, she does keep her skepticism in the face of anything. And everything in the outrageous face of, Hey, this doesn't make any sense for you to be a skeptic anymore. Yeah. Um, but then the whole show would break down if she, I don't know. Cause she kind of wasn't with some things. I mean, there was the whole sort of Jesus birth thing as well. And that didn't really convince her. Right. And her whole Catholic faith is incongruous with her scientific belief. Anyway, anyway, she's like, uh, you know, I believe in ghosts because I'm Catholic, but aliens, you gots to be kidding me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's, I, I suppose these are just conflicts with characters that come out over nine seasons of television. And See, I don't, I don't remember noticing the any... The you can say is that it's okay for people to be multi-layered and hypocritical. I mean, that's all right, because people are that way. I know lots of people who believe in science, but they're also like, yeah, Jesus. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, Jesus. Um, I, I want to just correct before we get any email that no, Oregon is not in any way on a latitude with... Uh, anywhere in the uk we are remarkably high up in the world much more so than we always realize 
So I'll that, have to check out a map later because now you've piqued my curiosity. But I, I do want to go back and comment on that thing that you mentioned. The the big X that he spray paints, that Mulder spray paints on the pavement. I thought that that was so hilarious. I was like, it's because it's the X-Files. They had to like visually reinforce <laughs> it because you might forget. This is the first episode and you might be like, well, is it the Q-Files? Is it the Y-Files? No, he draws an X. It's got to be the X-Files. I was amused by how completely inaccurate it, that X was, because you know, like the 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 cast the first time it happens, the car starts doing its weird thing, and they're driving, and then they drive for a little more pull up, and he marks the road, and he's like, that wasn't anywhere near where that thing was. Why are you doing it there? And then, back up feet, Mulder. Yeah, and then later, when he he's like, see, we found the X again. It's like, no, you just ran like a hundred and fifty yards down the road. You were nowhere near that X. You just happened to be on the same road. What what are you doing? But hey, at least he was painting X's. See, that's and that's what I mean. Just a bit more scientific, a bit more sort of that happened here. Let's mark it. And if we're ever back and something weird happens, then we know there's something here. And stuff like that tended to go away pretty quick. But it was an elegant way to end the episode then. Because at the end of the episode, they, the car stalls right over the X again. Or maybe it's not the end. But later in the episode, the car stalls right over the X you're like, ah, Mulder knows something. He does. We, it's part of the, the eternal frustration of the X-Files. We know Mulder knows. We know Mulder's right. It's just he can't prove it. And so we, we feel that frustration for him. That, that I definitely he, get he that knows. out of it. No, he doesn't know. That's the problem. He knows that he thinks he knows, but he's so quick to jump to conclusions, which is something that kept on coming up in this episode. I already said about how the turbulence on the airplane, he's like, yep, that's aliens. Even though I mean, there was no reason to think that that was aliens. But once they arrive in the town, they do the whole thing where they exhume the casket. It rolls, it pops open, the body is all messed the fuck up, and Mulder's like, yep, it's an alien, can't be anything else. It's like he bought that jump to conclusions mat from Office Space, and he's just hopping <laughs> right away. Yeah, I see what you're saying. He, I, I kind of felt with the bit in the plane, that's just a joke. Um, was it an alien? No, but it's not. Stupid. That's part of the fun of Mulder, though. That, but and ultimately, he's kind of always right. It's it's kind of always the thing because maybe that wasn't an alien in the coffin, but it came down to what we think were aliens at the end. And where the X Files always excels is they kind of say it's aliens without saying it's aliens, and they you know they like, introduce plausible deniability into the story, which has been driving Lisa crazy because Lisa's a very concrete thinker and she wants it to either say that it's aliens or say that it's not aliens. So this episode she's sitting up in bed and she's going, "But was it aliens?" And I said, "Welcome to the X-Files. Get yeah. used to this will happen." I mean, we don't know it was aliens, but we know that Scully found that thing in the brain of the dead thing. And we see the guy go and put it in the box with all the other ones of those in little jars. And Top you think Ben exactly and we get that sort of end of raiders of the lost ark scene with the guy being see i've got all these boxes and you don't know what's in them <laughs> and that's so it's kind of like yeah it was definitely aliens and i told you that guy was dodgy 
um and so that's what they're doing but without going it was aliens they're going it was aliens Every step of the, of the way, Mulder is like literally blurting out. Like he's doing that Homer Simpson thing where his eyes go different directions and he's just screaming, it's aliens. Yeah. Mulder's going to go to talk to the teenagers who are mysteriously disappearing in the woods. And one of them has the same marks as the woman who died in the forest. And Mulder's like, yep, it's aliens. Like nothing else could be explained. So they drive out into the woods, they find the glowing bright lights, and all of a sudden Mulder's like, yep, that's a UFO. Couldn't be floodlights, couldn't be anything else. They, it just happens again and again and again. You're like, dude, chill out. How about, how about maybe you just listen to your partner a little bit? How about maybe Scully can give you an explanation that isn't aliens? But it is aliens. That's, it was aliens, though. That's the thing. He's right. He just jumps to the conclusion with no proof or, or fact or anything like that. That's the frustration. We know he's right, but he can't prove to himself that he's right. Almost. He can't even prove it to Scully, but we know he's right. Scully's open-minded, though. She's like, it could be a sacrifice. It could be a cult. Look, Mulder, I mean, there could be other weird things happening. Just because it's weird doesn't mean it's aliens. But Mulder just keeps on right with that single note. Yeah. Um, and I, I think th that that's always a good opportunity for them to, to show that Mulder is wrong about something. Um, he's, he, can, he does a good line in being right whilst not being quite right. Um, you know, for for example, in this episode, discovering it was the kid we all thought was catatonic in the hospital that's uh, taking people out to the woods. Um, it was aliens, but it was also the kid. And it's like, well, you didn't see the kid thing coming. That was completely out of left field. That was a nice twist at the end. Um, but with Scully, they, they give her that. It's because with so many things, something has undeniably happened. It's just she wants to find that that explanation, like you say, that that non-alien explanation. Um, it, it's kind of like the opposite of the History Channel dude, where it's hey, it was probably aliens, and in real life we're like, yeah, it probably wasn't, though, was it? Sort your hair out. And in X Files, it's it was probably aliens, and it actually was. I I think that's that's what it is. The ancient aliens dude on Discovery is just a really shit Mulder. <laughs> oh man uh, yeah I, I actually had that jotted down somewhere here in my notes I can't find it but yes I'm not saying that it was aliens but it was aliens yeah um, hey Scully did a lot of weird stuff in this episode were you surprised by her video reports because I totally did not remember that she was typing up you know she was doing the whole Doogie Howser electronic journal on her computer thing I do remember that quite clearly. Uh, for very nerdy reasons, I just remember that she was typing on a Mac a lot of the time. Um, in love with her. You saw her using a Mac, and you saw her in her bra and panties in this episode. So I'm sure that your scully love just was right to the forefront. It, 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 it's still a problem for me. I, I'm watching it, and I, I want to kind of exclaim at things, and I, I can't and, and shouldn't. Um, it's it's I'm I'm deeply affected by Scully. I don't remember them ever doing anything that deeply um, exploitative again. No, I, I no, I don't think they did. Um, I, it, I, do you know what? In in the grand scheme of things, 
I, I totally see what you're saying. You know, she, t- you know, she turns up at his, his room, takes her dressing gown off, but it was not gratuitous in any way. Uh, it, it's not gratuitous, but it certainly was suggestive because you were meant to think, is she coming to him for alternate reasons? no i disagree it, i I, I think that I that think was very it was clear to be a red herring yeah i i think that that's his reaction when he opens his door and it's like hey she's there and then suddenly she's taking off a dressing gown but to to see the look on her face and how she's playing it no i don't i don't think that it, that we as the audience were meant to think that um there were hints of it when she finds out that she th- that he thinks it's mosquito bites and they hug and he kind of gets that hey this is all right grin on his face because i did make a joke of like yeah you you that you can go down that road but it's going to take you another decade dude so probably move on um but yeah no, I, I don't think it was gratuitous i don't think it was uh in any way meant to to put us there but hey that's tv we can disagree i i kind of do think that it was intentional because at this point remember still episode one we don't really know if we're watching this for the first time on television in 1993 we still don't know whether we can trust scully and i think that they were using a lot of established tropes about you know the the damsel in distress the um uh the black widow they were sending his room kind of naked like was she trying to gain his trust was she trying to worm in that whole thing i i saw that in there i see what you're saying now i'd never fatal yeah i'd never seen that in it i i can't now you've pointed that out i i completely see how you would you would how you would get that because um, i was as i was watching this like if i were watching this for the first time and i didn't know that this was going to go for 10 seasons would I think that Scully was part of the X-Files conspiracy? I mean, would that have played into it? Like, am I thinking, is she being sent in to, you know, lure him into some sort of, you know, false um, false trust in her so that she can stab him in the, in the back sometime? Is she part of the alien conspiracy? Yeah, no, I, I totally see that. I, I totally see that. Um, I have to ask the question. If the FBI didn't want him working on the X-Files so much, why didn't they just take him off the X-Files? Well, I think that the show addresses that at some some points and says, well, doing that would make him more of a martyr. It would just strengthen his resolve. What we want to do is we want to allow him to pursue it and then show him that nothing exists. We want to ruin his, um, we want to ruin his, I don't know, his, his religious conviction in this. Right. And Scully, to just and Scully, yeah. It's it's. I you kind of forget pretty early on. I feel that she is there in that capacity, and by early on, I mean in the series, not not the episode. Um, Toward the end of the season, yeah, it seems they've built an awful lot of trust. That 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 does build up between them, and it, it's nice. They're a great TV partnership, the two of them. Um. They're, they're, they're great to watch and it, it does kind of put scully in the middle on a number of occasions it becomes a nice plot point for us from time to time of getting them in in situations where perhaps one has to betray the other or, or various 
other dramatical things like that. And it's not as though that whole thing is without precedent. I mean, Scully very well could have been, you know, the the secret double agent working for the alien conspiracy because the writers do dip into that well later on when it comes to Crycheck. He's introduced as someone who's just as trustworthy. He's introduced as someone who's in the FBI. And then, I mean, we're not spoiling anything, are we, by saying that Crycheck turns out to be an enemy agent? No, I don't think we are at this point. I don't think we are. We already talked about that in another episode. Quite possibly. Um, we did talk about Dwayne Barry, which hinges on Crycheck going bad. Yeah, I never trusted Crycheck. Uh, really? Was, yeah, not not once for a second. Not once. He's got that look about him. I I thought he was very well cast. That he could be that clean cut, committed FBI guy, but he could also be that that sort of double agent kind of sneaky dude and I, I felt like he was obviously something bad from the get-go and it was it was more a case of when we would find out not if uh, I'm glad they didn't go that route with Scully yeah because the entire series the reason I think that it succeeded is because they are the only ones who can trust each other they're the only ones that trust each other the only ones that remotely believe each other and you know, like like I say, they they work really well together on television. Uh, it, they, it's a, they're a great pairing, and it, they're just so watchable. Their relationship is is a great deal to do with the success of this show. I think it, it's all about how it's, they relate to each other. It's just the odd couple, though, right? Its opposites attract. <sighs> not entirely I would have said I kind of feel like you know they go through some stuff together there's reason for them to like each other um they they, they go to hell and back they really do and it, it's it's it would be crazy if they didn't become very close after all the things that happen you know um it, it <laughs> It reminds me in 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 the the new Bond film in Inspector. Um, there's there's a moment where the the woman turns to Bond and and tells him that she loves him, and you think, why? You've you've known the dude for like two days, and it's it's the opposite of of Scully and Mulder that have been through so much together. They they're you know they they're so good. It is a relationship forged by fire. And I look forward very much to talking about this with you every week on, what are we calling this again? The Remote Patrol Trust No One. Yeah. It was it's either be, that or I want to believe. But I prefer that Trust No One. That would have been no. too cliche. Yeah. I think Trust No One works well. Yeah. yeah. Bit closer sure. to him. Well, sir. I hate to put a hat on this, but I'm due over on the other podcast now. It's time to go record Atomic Trivia War 9000. If there are wars to be fought, someone must fight them. And in that case, <laughs> this is you. You know, that's that's fair enough. Um, I will just point out to our listeners then, check out simplysyndicated.com for more episodes of this show. And of course, uh, the Atomic Trivia War and uh, all the other things I do. I don't want to pick, take it or leave it. Yeah, that's one. All on simplysyndicated.com. 
Thank you for the show, Jason. That was that was awesome. This is only going to get more awesome, you know. I cannot wait to talk about some of these other shows. The problem is going to be keeping myself from just bulleting straight ahead. Like I said, Lisa and I have already watched about 13 episodes since we agreed to start this show. <laughs> it started by watching the pilot so that we could talk about it, Rich. Yeah. 13 episodes later, Lisa and I are very happy. Excellent. We'll be fine. This will be good. Right then. All right. I got to go watch ep- 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 uh, episode two again for the second time so that we can talk about it next week. And that's cool. going to be a lot of fun. Cool. Good work. Right. Bye-bye, everybody. See you later.